Hey guys, welcome to episode seven of the podcast. In today's interview episode, we will be talking to bass trombonist Evan Clifton. He is a cast emerging artist, a Dennis Wick artist, and also an Edwards trombone artist. Um, we will be talking about his career, his trajectory as a recent grad, and also his amazing journey as he recovered from focal dystonia. Welcome to the Musician's Guide to Being Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. Every week, we have music industry professionals and top performers share their insights on thriving as a modern musician. Whether you're a recent grad or high-profile artist, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Karen Kubides, CEO of Kubides Artist Services, marketing and management consultant, educator, and professional saxophonist based in Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, Evan, how are you? I am spectacular. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks. I'm so happy you're here, and I'm so happy that you were here for our first Emerging Artist Workshop. Um, we got a lot of puppy snuggles and coffee and food. Indeed. Indeed. Sangria. Did you like my sangria? Yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell us who you are, where you're from, and what you do. So I'm Evan Clifton. Um, Primarily a bass trombonist, um, but I play all low brass instruments. Um, I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, and I have uh, the bass, bass trombone position with the West Michigan Symphony and the Battle Creek Symphony, um, and also teach privately, um, primarily high school students. I do a little bit of um, you know, sectional work in schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I also do cons- some consulting with a music store um, in Grand Rapids. Um, That's so cool. You do so many things. That's awesome. Um, and you're also a Dennis Wick artist and yes. an Edwards artist, right? Yep. So fancy. I try. <laughs> <laughs> so you're an equipment person. Yeah. Tell us how this kind of came to be. Because it seems like kind of stereotypical for brass players, but you kind of take it to a whole new level. So tell us more. How, how I got into equipment? Yeah. Like just knowing um, about it. I'm like, this is a mouthpiece. It's so I, I sort of blame my, uh, my first private teacher. Blame being used in a good way. Yeah. Um, because he was a, he still is a huge equipment nerd. Um, his name was Gary Hellick. He's a, a freelancer in the Detroit area. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time I would come in for my lessons, I, I studied with him sixth grade all the way through high school. And every lesson I would come in, and his um, his Edwards bass trombone would be cut in a different key. <laughs> so he he was always chopping up um, the tubing on his uh, on his bass trombone valves. And putting them in different keys, trying different wraps. Um, he was he built a bass trombone from scratch, um, just put together old parts. He always had a different mouthpiece. Um, so I, you know, I sort of, you know, observed that and started picking up on the, some things. And I, mean, I was, I was flipping mouthpieces by the time I was a sophomore in high school, um, online selling them, buying, it's amazing, pretty much constantly. Um, and I, I, I've gotten better about it now because <laughs> um, I'm, I'm very settled in with Dennis Wick mouthpieces. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that was kind of where I started uh, with mouthpieces. And um, when I was in college, I you know, started flipping horns mm-hmm. you know, as, a, as a way to make money. Yeah. Because I would buy horns on the cheap online and then, you know, do what I could to clean them up yeah. and fix them a little bit um, without having to take them to a repair tech. And then put them back online, sell them, make a little bit of money. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah. So smart. 
Um, so tell us, what are you most excited about right now? In, in my own life career? Yeah, in general. Um, I'm excited about dinner. <laughs> uh, right now, honestly, probably getting home to my cats tonight. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. It's um, been a couple days away from them. So That's so funny. Um, okay, so serious questions now. Um, you have had an injury. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so... It would have been summer 2016. Um, I noticed some some problems in my playing. Um, you know, it was just more difficult to produce sound. Um, you know, I had no endurance. My range started shrinking, um, and I, I I just thought you know it was overuse because um, I'd been thankfully I'd been working a lot. Um, from like February through May or June, I pretty much had, you know, orchestra week after orchestra week after orchestra week, um, which was great. Um, but I, so I, I just thought it was overuse as a result of that. Um, but even after taking, you know, two, three weeks off, it was still there. Um, and so I, I went through a lot of, um, a lot of teachers you know, pretty much asked anyone I could think of, you know, what might be going on. And uh, eventually I ended up uh, connecting with Jan Kagerice. Love and, her. Uh, she's amazing. Um, and after working with her, um, she, she concluded that um, I had vocal dystonia. Um, and just, just for sake of clarity... I never went to a neurologist. I didn't get an official diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's based on her opinion as a professional who's seen a lot of that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I was uh, 23 and I had focal dystonia. Oh and I had just, um, I was living in Chicago at the time, um, and I had just signed a contract for a really nice fellowship for my master's degree at Michigan State. And I could barely play. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so that was that was really tough. So, yeah, I mean, if you're willing to share, tell us a little bit more of how you kind of, like, got through that initial shock and seeked the treatment and even just had the discipline to, like, essentially relearn how to play your instrument. Well, there, there were a lot of layers to that. The first was to get over myself <laughs> um, because... My my first reaction was, oh, crap, what am I going to do? Yeah. This is the only thing I've, you know, I've, I've ever done to make money. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, I had like side jobs, and, um, but I won my first orchestra job when I was 20. And like that was the like, playing is the only thing I'd ever done. Yeah. And I mean, granted, you know, I was young. I could have found something else to do. But that was my first reaction I was like what the heck am I going to do with the rest of my life? Um, and so that took a long time to, to get over before I could actually start addressing the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, a biggest part of it was, was starting to see a therapist. Um, that was a huge help in, you know, acknowledging that life will go on. (laughs) Even if I had to hang it up. Yeah. Um, you know, I would still be alive. 
this isn't something that's going to kill me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I could find other things to do. Uh, but that, that was kind of the first step was just, you know, getting right with myself. I love that um, you said that because, sorry to interrupt you, but like we attach so much of our self-worth in our craft and in what we actually do. And we kind of forget that like the instrument is the accessory. Like we're the one that makes it play. So it's like oh, yeah. your identity should never be in, in your instrument. Yeah. And even, um, you know, I, I worked with Jan um, just about every week um, via Skype. Um, we did Skype lessons um, weekly for about six months. Um, and then after that we did, um, you know, follow up lessons, you know, kind of as needed, um, on a, on a less regular basis. Um, but even, even after, um, after the first year of my master's degree at Michigan State, um, I, I, things still weren't right. I still didn't feel like I was playing at my best and I, I was playing fine, but it wasn't my best and that was frustrating. Um, and so I, I started, I started looking at other things. Um, I had a sit-down meeting with the the orchestra conductor at Michigan State, just to you know, talk about okay, you know, might I be interested in conducting? Yeah. Because um, there are actually a lot of uh, uh, two two prominent trombone players that I, that come to mind um, who had focal dystonia or you know, some other chop issue, and then turned to conducting and now are having massive success as conductors. Sure. Um, and I also. Uh, that summer after the first year of my master's, I took an arts administration uh, internship at the community music school at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I had I in my bachelor's at, at Western Michigan, um, I was a stage manager. Um, I worked in the concerts office. You know, I, I had done a lot of work on you know, sort of on the production side of things. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I thought, OK, maybe I'll do that. I started going to, you know, the League of American Orchestras conference. Yeah. And, you know, other other conferences with that type of mindset, you're sort of checking that out, seeing, okay, you know, might I want to do this? Um and at first the my response was really positive. It was yeah. like, okay, this is, you know, this feels good. Um you know, I could see myself, you know, maybe going into orchestra administration because I I've, I've seen the musician side of things and, you know, building that could be a good thing. Um, but then about the middle of the summer, it, it just, it, that went away. Yeah. Um, and I finally had to sit down and be like, okay, do I want to try to get back to where I'm happy with my playing or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the other life things were going on at that point. I just had a, a tough breakup um, and my brother got married and moved across the country. Yeah. Um, he's a professional horn player. We, we played together a lot. So that was, um, that was, you know, its own thing. And so it, it was, it was sort of reconciling all of these things all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, I decided, okay, I really feel like I have something to say as a player and, I need to do everything I can to do that. And if I do everything I can to do that and it's still not working, then at least I know when I hang it up, I tried. Mm-hmm. But if I don't do that, I'm going to have that what if for the rest of my life and it's going to drive me up a freaking wall. Yeah. So, yeah. 
That's so sorry, amazing. Sorry to get a little heavy, but no, no, that is literally so incredible and inspiring. And I, I just affirm you for doing it. And even more importantly, instead of like just giving up, trying other things and knowing what you like and what you don't like. Um, I find that we don't do that enough. We're just like, Oh, I'll just do this or whatever. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, uh, and I did keep the focus as narrow as something in music. Yeah. Um, I literally don't know anything else. Um, I mean, both my parents were band directors. My brother's a professional horn player. Um, I grew up in that culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my parents have me have videos of me watching the Lawrence Welk show when I was four years old, <laughs> watching Bob Havens stand up, take a solo, and me pointing at the TV saying, me play trombone. Oh, so cute like i literally know no other part of society <laughs> um i mean i could figure it out sure sure but um instinctively that's that's all i had um and so i did keep the focus as narrow as you know something music related uh-huh. um just because that's that's where i lived yeah that's where i still live that's so cool um, let's go back to therapy. Um, again, if you're willing to share, sure. um, I feel like that subject is just so taboo, especially in music. Like we think that, you know, th- you go to a therapist cause you're crazy or cause you know, something's wrong. I definitely felt crazy at times, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I love therapy to me. It's just like, let's go vent to a third per- third party. That's completely unbiased. And that will just like call me out on my stuff. <laughs> so what was your experience like? And do you like therapy? Um, well, I, I just recently moved and I haven't uh, you know, found a new person um, in Grand Rapids. Um, so I, I haven't been been doing that for a few months now. Um, but it, it was in a time when I really had no consistency, mm-hmm. um, nothing to really grab onto. That was my, you know, one hour a week yeah. that I knew was going to happen every week. Yeah. And I knew where I was going to go, what I was going to do. I didn't know what I was going to say. Uh-huh. I didn't know what he was going to say. But that was you know, sort of that consistency um, that, that kind of helped me power through uh, a really tough year. Yeah. Um, and then it, even, even after that, um, the second year of my master's, I still continued that. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though I was in a much better place, um, I had a lot more sorted out. Um, you know, things were starting to go admittedly really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was still helpful because, I mean, everyone has frustrations, even when things are good. Yeah. Um, there are still things that can be improved, can be resolved. You know, old things that you kind of brushed under the rug um, that were never resolved. Yeah. Um, that are still kind of nagging. Um so yeah, it was it was super super helpful for me, um, especially you know given my situation. Yeah. So for someone that's like never been to therapy, what was like a preconceived notion that you had, and then it was like the total opposite when, once you went to therapy. Well, my I guess my first assumption um, was like, you know show up every week, sit on a couch and cry for an hour <laughs> and then leave. Amazing. And I mean, admittedly that did happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, it did happen a few times. Been there. Um, 
but it it became a lot more about um me thinking about myself and how I function in the world with mm-hmm. other people um you know how how I respond to things was a, a huge thing for me yeah um because even now I, I, I catch myself. I, I can get very easily frustrated mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, and I, I used to have, um, I mean, when, when I was in like middle school and high school, um, I used to have some decent anger issues. Um, and like, I've never been a small person physically. Mm-hmm. And so that was problematic sometimes. <laughs> um, like there's, but there's you're a giant teddy bear. There's there's still a hole in my bedroom door at my parents' house. Oh my gosh. Um just, but that that was that was that's actually an example of you know something that I had brushed under the rug and just kind of let go. Yeah. But I never really resolved why I responded to things that way. Interesting. Um and it, that that was actually an easy one. Um <laughs> but there were a lot of other more difficult questions um, that I was asking of myself, yeah. that my therapist was asking of me, um, that you know that had to be resolved before I could actually move forward um, and start to address this massive issue that was you know, standing in the in the way of um, me moving forward in my career. Yeah, that's so good, so wise. I don't know about that, but <laughs> <laughs> I. I and I, I, I honestly feel like I was just doing what I had to do. Yeah. Um, Tell us something that you have learned this past year, especially being an emerging artist. I guess probably the biggest thing, and I, I, I still work on this, um, not needing someone's permission to do things. Oh, that's good. Like, you know, starting a project, forming a group, um, you know, trying to book gigs trying to book master classes, recitals. That that's kind of where my focus is now. Um shifting more towards teaching and and uh and solo work. Um you don't need permission to do that. Like at the end of the day, I I send someone an email or I I talk to them and I'm like, "Hey, I want to do this thing. What do you think?" They can say yes, they can say no, mm-hmm. but I don't need someone's permission to ask the question. Yeah. Um and I, I I do struggle with that still. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a very up and down thing. It depends on my mood. It depends on <laughs> what else is happening in life. Sure, sure. Um, that can make that easier or more difficult. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's definitely the biggest thing because that that hadn't even entered my mind before the past year. Yeah. Um, it was it was just like okay, I went to school, I got the degrees, I take the auditions. If I win them, I have work. If I don't, then I don't. Yeah. Um, and it, you're cultivating your own stuff wasn't a part of my life. Yeah. Um, but thankfully now it is. That's amazing. And my bank account likes it even more. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, because that's so true. And I love that you said that, you know, they can either say yes or they can say no. Like nothing else is going to happen. Yeah, like that. that's not up to me. Right. It's up to me to ask the question, to make the proposal, um, send the email. Mm-hmm. ask the person, you know, can I buy you a beer? Yeah. And, you know, pick your brain about blah, 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 blah. But their response isn't up to me. All I can do is, you know, pass them the ball. That's so good. So I'm smiling like a dork. This is so amazing. Thank you. This makes <laughs> me so happy. Um, okay, so let's do some fun questions. Cool. Um, 
you're like a beer person. Yes. So tell us about that. Um, well, I, as of the middle of July, I live in Beer City, USA, <laughs> uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, or de- depending on the year, it's you know always in the top three. Um, and I went to school in Kalamazoo, where the, you know Bell's, and there's literally probably 15 breweries at least um, just in the, the Kalamazoo city limits. Um, there's even more in Grand Rapids. Um, so it, it, it was almost by like the environment I was in. Mm-hmm. It just became a part of my life. And I've come to really, really enjoy like the science of it. Okay. And like why certain ingredients when put together using this process create this flavor. And, you know, using different, you know, barrels, different, Mm -hmm. you know, different, different parts of the process um, can change the end product. Um, And I'm a total nerd. (laughs) I'm a complete nerd. Um, That's so cool. That's great. Um, So what's your favorite beer? It depends on when you ask that question. (laughs) Um, Right now I'm going through a phase with sours. Okay. I love sour beers. Um, mm. especially, um, fruited sours. Like, um, there's one brewery Vivant in Grand Rapids, um, just had their wood age beer fest and where they you know, put out all their specialty, you know, limited release, um, barrel aged beers. And they had this blackberry, um, barrel aged sour that was just phenomenal. So yeah, that, that's kind of where my taste buds are happy right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay, so a couple um, quick questions. What is the most favorite city you've ever traveled to? Valencia, Spain. Why? I mean, I'm a total history nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when I was in, you know growing up in my parents' house, I watched the History Channel all the time, Aww. and just the history of of Europe in general. But I mean, that part of the world, um, you know, right on the Mediterranean, the architecture there, mm-hmm. the food. Valencia ruined seafood for me um, <laughs> because no shrimp that I've had anywhere else can compete with that. Yeah. Um, I was also not even a wine drinker, like not even a little bit before I went there. Um, but I'd do it for you. Oh my gosh. So good. <laughs> okay. Um, and then last question. Um, if you had to tell your younger self something, what would it be? Stop thinking. Just do stuff. Um, I, I, especially when I was younger, but I, well, not even, not even that. All the time, <laughs> I have a tendency to get wrapped up in my own head, yeah, um, and overthink, and think about how things could go. And I, tr- I went through a phase for probably three or four years where I wanted to know every single possible outcome of the situation. Before I even, you know, committed myself to the situation. Um, And that never created the results I wanted. So if I had just turned off my brain, (laughs) you know, close your eyes, hit send, who knows what might have happened. Yeah. But so that's kind of what I'm trying to do now. That's so good. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Oh, sure. You're amazing. I'm trying. (laughs) 